some readings, some select readings from the book of Proverbs. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Whoever trusts in riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. Whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only, be, will only come to poverty. Do not rob the poor because he is poor or crush the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord will plead their, case, their cause and rob of life those who rob them. Whoever oppresses the poor, a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. The love of money is the root of all evil. Do not toil to acquire wealth, being discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold for it is better than jewels, and all that you desire cannot compare with her. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. I have something very special for you this morning. What is special this morning is a 15-minute sermon. I knew that would bring a laugh. Um, we have a very crowded service this morning, lots of things going on, and um, when we were going through the details, uh, I told Adam, I'm going to preach a 15-minute sermon, and he just laughed, just like you. Um, but here we go, somebody set your watch. The topic is wealth and poverty. I begin with a statement, a personal statement, but one I really believe to be true. I think that the prosperity gospel, so-called, has been the most damaging thing to the church of Jesus Christ in the 20th and now 21st century. There's lots of things that have damaged the church of Jesus Christ, but I think that is right at the top of the list. But there's a reason that frequently the prosperity gospel has been so popular. Not just because people like it, but because in the Proverbs and other places in Scripture, it seems that the theology emerges. But a theology of the prosperity gospel only emerges from the pages of Scripture by using isolated verses and taking them out of context. It's never a good idea to construct a theology based on isolated verses. Having said that, what I'm about to do is give you an overview of what I see in the Proverbs concerning wealth and poverty by using isolated verses. I have six very succinct points 
The first is this. According to the Proverbs, God blesses the righteous with wealth. Now that sounds like the prosperity gospel. But listen to the context in chapter 8, verses 18 through 19. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. Sounds pretty straightforward. Follow God, or in this case, follow wisdom, and you will prosper. But then listen to the rest of the verse. My fruit is better than fine gold. And my yield surpasses choice wisdom. In the context, it's not a verse that says, follow God and you'll be rich. It's a verse that says, live your life in wisdom. My wisdom and you will prosper. And the primary point of your prosperity will not be money. It will be the wealth of wisdom that is yours. As a matter of fact, at the very beginning of this book, we're reminded of who wrote most of these Proverbs. It was King Solomon. And you remember at the beginning of his reign, God came to him in a vision and said, Solomon, what do you want? Ask it, and I will give it to you. And Solomon said, one thing, wisdom. And God said to Solomon, since you have been so wise as to ask for wisdom, I will give you everything else as well. I'll give you wealth, all kinds of prosperity. I'll give you power. I'll give you fame. Because you have your priorities right. Because to be truly wealthy is to invest in wisdom. The second thing that we learn about wealth and poverty in the Proverbs is this. Foolish behavior leads to poverty. That seems pretty straightforward. And as a matter of fact, the Proverbs repeatedly give us this theme. In Proverbs 10.5, we hear these words. An honorable, put in parenthesis, wise, an honorable, wise son harvests in the summer. A disgraceful, that would be foolish son, sleeps during harvest. The results are obvious. If you invest wisely in your crop, your yield, when you do the work, will be yours. And you will be full of wealth. Foolishness creates poverty. Wisdom helps one to be well established, even financially. Or how about this proverb? You've heard it many times, 6-6. Six, six. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider his ways. In other words, don't be foolish and lazy. Be wise and industrious. Work hard and gain what you can. There's nothing wrong with that. 
He also gives some advice to his son, and most of these proverbs are to are to his son. In thirteen eleven, he says this about foolishness, wisdom, and poverty and wealth. He said, "Wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly disappears, my son. Wealth from hard work." Wise investment of your energies, it grows over time. So, my son, don't be foolish because that leads to poverty. The third thing I want to note that the Proverbs say concerning poverty and wealth is this that statement on the screen says, Wealth shouldn't take the wealthy, shouldn't take advantage of the poor. Let me say it more directly. Here's actually what the Proverbs teach. Not only that the wealthy should not take advantage of the poor, the Proverbs actually teach this. That the wealthy are absolutely condemned by God for taking advantage of the poor. It's not just advice. If you're wealthy, take care of the poor. It's more than advice. It's a warning. If you're wealthy, and you don't take care of the poor, you are condemned by God. Proverb 22, 16 puts it this way. A person who gets ahead by oppressing the poor or by lavishing or showering gifts on the rich, he will end up in poverty. Now, of course, you may say to yourself, uh, wait a minute, I know a lot of people who get wealthy on the backs of the poor. And I know a lot of people who lavish the rich with more money so they can get more money. It doesn't seem like to me that they are in poverty. It's a warning. It's a warning concerning wisdom and eternal reality. It's not necessarily that if you lead your life in a certain way, all of a sudden your wealth will vanish. It may. And that may be the judgment of God. But the judgment of God against those who are wealthy and refuse to turn a hand or an eye to the poor is that your life will be impoverished. You may have all the money in the world. And if you are not generous with it, you live an impoverished existence. And you'll never know true riches until you share. Or this verse, whoever oppresses a poor man, this is very direct, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. The theme? The image of God in humanity. You cannot look down on another because of his poverty. You cannot oppress someone because they're beneath you. Because if you do, you are directly oppressing God. Maybe Jesus had this proverb in mind when he said, concerning those who are wealthy and those who are in need, when you've done it to one of the least of these, my brothers, when you have reached out in assistance to someone who desperately needs help, you have done that 
to me. But here's the thing about the Proverbs and their directive not to oppress the poor. There's a sense in which that's not enough. According to the Proverbs, it's not as though you're righteous if you just don't oppress the poor. You need to go a step further. You need to actually be proactive. If you are wealthy, you should be generous. Because everything comes from God, according to the Proverbs. And if you have wealth, it is your responsibility to give it away. Can I say that again? If you are wealthy, it is your responsibility to give it away. To give it away. Proverb 28, 27 puts it this way. Those who give to the poor lack nothing. But those who avert the eye, those who see the poor and then just turn away, those who avert the eye will have numerous curses placed upon them. That's rather chilling. It's also positive. Or to put it another way, righteousness is a secure investment. God will bless you for blessing those who have little. Why is this important? Because of the one of the verses that was read just a few moments ago. The rich and the poor have this in common. God is the maker of them both. The rich and the poor have the same dignity that is bestowed on them not by wealth or lack of wealth, but the dignity that is bestowed upon them by God. So there is no difference. If you're wealthy, you think you're better, God is calling you out. There's no difference between you and the poor man. Because God made you both. This generosity that the wealthy ought to have, it doesn't just extend to the person, the individual person, who lacks something. The generosity is embedded in the book of Deuteronomy and other places throughout the Scripture. And the generosity has to do with giving to those who give to others. Or in the Old Testament, basically the first fruits of your labor on behalf of the temple so that the temple could do the work it's called to do. And in the same way, it relates to the church. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then, the promise says, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats bursting with wine. Let me put it another way. You can't outgive God. It's impossible. The final, next, next to the final thing I wanted to mention is wealth has limited value according to the Proverbs. This verse um, is, is stirring. Don't, it comes from 23.4, don't weary yourself trying to get rich. Don't wear yourself out 
trying to get rich. Why waste your time, says the proverb. For riches can disappear as though they had the wings of a bird. The riches you have accumulated can fly off like an eagle and leave you with nothing. So why waste all your time trying to become rich, says the proverb. Whoever, 11.28, whoever trusts in riches will fall, but the righteous, they will flourish like a green leaf. Can, can you read that proverb without thinking of the words of Jesus? Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal. Where your treasure is, says Jesus, your heart will be also. Your treasure is a demonstration of what you love. Your treasure speaks more about your soul than almost anything else. There are few things that any of us want to cling to more than our treasure. And God goes right to the heart of it and says, if you cling to that, you're telling me and others something about yourself. That money is more important than God. And material things are more important than eternal things. Be careful, says the proverb, how you handle your wealth because it really has its limits in value. Final thing I want to mention about the Proverbs is this. It's better to be wise than to be wealthy. And with that comment, I'm taking us all the way back around to the beginning of the book. Because at the beginning of the book, repeatedly, and especially in chapter 8, the Proverbs are spoken to the Son. And routinely, the Proverbs say this, Wisdom, my son, is greater than wealth. Wisdom is more important than silver. Wisdom is more important than gold. If you're going to seek something, seek wisdom. And then you will be wealthy. Actually, every once in a while with these selected passages, I mix in New Testament references. And some of you might have noticed that in the reading this morning. The love of money is the root of all evil. A New Testament passage. If your heart is set on riches and money, you are pursuing evil. If your heart is set on riches and money. You are pursuing evil. If your heart is set on making as much money as you can in order to give it to others, that is far different. My father told me a story years ago. 
about a man I do not know. And he said, son, this man was very, very wealthy. He made more money than you can imagine. And early on, he made a commitment. Think about this. He made this commitment. He said, I will live on 10% of my income and I will give away 90%. Do you know a wealthy person like that? I want to suggest that if you have enormous wealth, that's actually the scriptural standard. Not whether you give 10% to charity or to the church or to others, but whether or not you see your wealth as a way of promoting the gospel and giving to others as much as you possibly can. In essence, that's what the scriptures say about wealth and poverty. Achieve success. Gather your wealth and give to others. In a way, it kind of goes back to the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. Lord, for the gracious advice that you give us, we thank you. For the difficulty in following it, we also give you thanks. Because those things that are of value are never easy. And those things that you call us to are never anything but blessed. In spite of the labor to follow you, which it often seems, in spite of our inability to live up to the standards of Scripture, we know that even the act of obedience even when it falls short, the act of obedience from the heart gives us more than we could imagine or ask for. So we pray, Lord, you will conform our hearts to your will. Allow us to see everything as a gift from you and to give to those who need. In Christ's name, amen.